I love having our kids in here. Thrilled to, to have you here with us tonight. Um, as we get started into this message, again, we're in the summer in the Psalms, looking tonight in Psalm 103. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. If you have the app, you can open it up, go to sermon notes, and you can follow along there. But as you're kind of getting to that, how many of you know what this is? Yeah, it's not a trick question. It's a post-it note or sticky note type thing. How many of you have used this? Raise your hands. How many of you have found it helpful? Unless you drive out of your office and you forget it there, right? Because that was the whole point to write it down. Uh, do you realize this was an invention that was never meant to be? Dr. Silver was actually a chemist at 3M, and uh, he was trying to create an, a very incredibly strong adhesive, and he failed. 1968. And so he created this adhesive that was something that was really actually pretty weak and can be repositioned several times. And it actually uh, kind of sat on a shelf for a long time until his friend, uh, Mr. Fry, who worked with him, actually said, hey, I think I have a use for that. And he took it and kind of put it on the back of little papers and he used it as bookmarks in his hymnal at church because all his bookmarks kept falling out when he was turning pages and these stuck to it. And so in the early 70s is when we actually got post-it notes. And they figured out that the failure was actually a success because it was helpful. And you can write little notes on it. You've done too. Maybe the to-do list. Maybe it was a note to someone. Maybe it was just uh, something that you needed someone to do at the office. Maybe it was just a reminder to yourself, hey, get the dry cleaning on the way home or whatever that may be. You've used this and it's been helpful. And tonight, I want to look at Psalm 103 is kind of like David writing a spiritual sticky note to himself a way of kind of communicating. See, sticky notes are important, and uh, I don't know, this last Father's Day, I stumbled upon this video on Facebook because Facebook is the revealer of all videos, I guess, and uh, I'll just let you watch it. It's a Let's minute go. long. Let's go. The dog's like cool part about that story is that's a stepdad who wrote a note every single day on a sticky note and put it on his stepdaughter's door and for a year she kept them all. See, notes have a really powerful importance in our lives and they have a way of kind of helping us remember things and in a lot of ways Psalm 103 is I think one of one of my favorite psalms I say that about all of them but a powerful psalm 
because it's, it's David really writing to himself. And he's writing kind of this spiritual sticky note to, to say, David, move your heart to praise God. Like, bless him. And don't forget all of his benefits. And he's gonna talk about his blessings, but his benefits that originate from God himself, only stuff he can do. The blessings are blessings that flow into our lives and they're blessings that are part of our lives and we'll talk about that, but it's the benefits of God that he's listing out here. So Psalms is an powerful book and I hope you maybe have had the chance to be reading through it this summer. We've been challenging one another and uh, kind of Lyle mentioned that last week because we looked into Psalm 119 and Kimberly will mention it next week and we're trying to push and remind us into this idea of reading through the book of Psalms in June and July. So if you've kind of fallen off of that, there's bookmarks in the back uh, they don't have adhesive on them, but you can <laughs> put them in your Bible and just challenge you to read it through the rest of July here. Just pick up on the day that you're at right now and, and kind of go through. The Psalms is the most quoted book in the New Testament from the Old Testament. There's powerful things that God has here for us to see him for who he is, to know him better, and to relate with him. And so in Psalm 103, there's this powerful message that David is writing. He's wanting to help himself remember. And so he starts off in the very first verses. He says this, praise the Lord, my soul, meaning bless the Lord. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Six different times in this psalm, from beginning to end, he uses the phrase, praise the Lord, or bless the Lord. He, he's trying to tell his soul. This is not nothing, he's, he's I mean, obviously we're kind of peeking in on him, and so we're getting to lean from this too, but he's really writing to himself. He's trying to tell his soul, listen, you be a person who blesses and who praises the Lord, who aims your intent. What does it mean to bless the Lord? I, I think it means to be captivated by him to be caught up in wonder of who he is and what he does and all that he is for us and all that he does with us in life to, to bless him, to, to praise him, to, uh, to exalt his name, to, to put a focus on him and off of ourselves, but to make sure that he's on our radar screen as we navigate the twists and turns of life. It's a call to us. And then he says to himself, and don't forget these benefits that come from God. This is kind of like that spiritual sticky note. And he lists five different things here. What David is really trying to do is to grow the gratitude within his own heart. Can we be honest? Gratitude is difficult at times, isn't it? We live in a world that, that so often much of our advertising is trying to get us to the, get the things that we don't have the things that we lack or the things that we feel like that will make life better. And so, so much of the conversation, so much of the, the influences that go on around us are about kind of communicating what we lack and gratitude is built on understanding what we have. Gratitude is built on this understanding of fostering an attitude that says I'm, I'm grateful, I'm, I'm not lacking. And so gratitude is a difficult task in our culture, it's really easy to drift away and to become ungrateful. In fact, uh, the, the text here in, in Greek is literally this idea, it's this word grateful or thankful, but it puts a little A in front of it, which means unthankful. Uh, so this idea of, of being unthankful seems to be something that is very prevalent and can be in our culture, but he lists out these benefits. It's like this sticky note, and he says, look, David, don't forget these benefits of God. Here's what he says, verse three. Who forgives your sins, 
who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, and who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed. So praise the Lord, going back to verse two, and forget not his benefits. The word benefit is this idea that something is advantageous or something that's good for us. It's a payment or a gift or an act of kindness or a good deed. It's when a person uh, maybe gets a new job. How many of you have gotten a new job sometime in life? Three of you. Perfect. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I saw more hands. I was just... So as you got a new job, you walked into that job, and if it was a full-time job, you probably had a conversation around benefits, Okay, what's the benefit of this job? Is, is there some perks that come with it? Is there a retirement? Is there health insurance? Is there dental insurance? So you talk about the benefits of the job, and, and here's David saying, look, don't forget the benefits of having an I'm with God kind of life. That as I live and as I journey life with God, it comes with these incredible benefits, and don't forget those. Now, don't confuse those with blessings, there's blessings. When I think of blessings, uh, you probably think of the same thing. It's kind of like the blessings of maybe your family or, or your kids or, or things that, circumstances that unfold in life. And those are great blessings and God brings those and he promises those as we follow after him. But the benefits of God, David's saying those are a little bit deeper. Those are some things that aren't based necessarily on circumstantial stuff. It's not something that will come and go or fade or could fade. It's these deep blessings or deep benefits that come from God. So again, he just lists these out. And I want to walk through them tonight. Maybe these are some things that we can't lose, that, that hold on to us, so to speak. He says, and forget not the benefits of God, who forgives all your sins, heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, and satisfies your desires with good things. So soul, bless the Lord. Praise him. David's teaching to himself. Let, I'm trying to get my soul to bless God, to be focused on him, to be captivated in wonder of who he is. The blessings he brings, he does. But the benefits of having an I'm with God kind of life and the benefits that are, that are mine because of that, not because I create that, but because it's a gift from him. It's a benefit I get from having life with him. I don't want my soul to become ungrateful. So I want to focus on these. I'm writing them down, David's saying. I want to remember these. I don't want to forget these. I don't want my heart to drift toward being ungrateful for them. Now, is that possible? Well, Paul talks about in 2 Timothy that he talks about in the last days. He just kind of gives a description of 19 different things that unfold and kind of say this is what it's going to be like. People are going to be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be boastful, arrogant, disobedient to parents. And really early on in the list, he uses this word, they'll be ungrateful. See, Paul's teaching and recognizing this spirit of ungratefulness is something we will naturally drift to if we don't cultivate, as my mom used to say, an attitude of gratitude of just making gratitude and being grateful and thankful a part of your life. William Barclay says this, the strange characteristic of ingratitude is that it's often the most hurtful of sins because it's the blindest of sins. When you're ungrateful, you don't even recognize sometimes that you're ungrateful. And so what 
what David's saying is, look, don't let your heart drift this way. There's some tensions in our world that create that. C.S. Lewis said this in the worker of the Screwtape Letters. He picked up on this thought that said, in the long, dull, monotonous years of middle age prosperity is excellent campaigning weather for the devil. That in those long, middle-aged years where prosperity seems to rise, it sometimes blinds us to the gratefulness that we need to cultivate. And we become ungrateful. And we become seeking so many other things. And so learn to stay grateful, friends. That takes work. It takes cultivation of that. And so part of doing that is leaning into the benefits of God. So we'll just walk through the list. David highlights five here. The benefits of God. God is the one who pardons our iniquities. Have you stopped recently to to think about the magnitude of that? That you and I don't have to come up with a scheme or a plan to cover up our mistakes or to pay for them. That Jesus took that on himself to cover our mistakes and to cover our brokenness and to heal us from our sin to take us and give us a clean start and a new start through faith in him that what he accomplished in his life and his death and his resurrection forgives us and gives us a clean slate. He goes on in verse verse 10 through 12 in the same chapter. He says, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. North and south meet, they have an end, but east and west never touch. As far as the east is from the west, God has taken care of our sin, of our mess, and our brokenness as we confess that and and clean into that and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need you to deal with it because I'm not capable of dealing with it. And David's reminding himself, God took care of my brokenness. See, forgiveness is first in the order is beginning to cultivate a grateful heart when we must never forget the good and continual forgiving hand of God in our life. That his forgiveness is working out help and hope into your life today. And it did a decade ago. And it will a decade from now that his forgiveness is a marker of your life. Horatio Spafford wrote the, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, just a phrase from there. My sin, oh, the bliss of his glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross, I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Jesus, you dealt with the very thing I could never deal with. So forget not the benefit of God that he has blessed you as one who has made your faith in Jesus real and said, Jesus, I need you to be the leader and the forgiver of my life. When you get to that place, he's the one that deals with that. Not only does he help with that, but he heals your diseases. And at first pass, when you read that, you go, well, I know people that he didn't heal. And if we're honest, we all know that. And there's some of you who are going through sicknesses and right now and battling things, and you wonder, okay, is, is God's physical healing gonna be part of his answer for me? And I, I pray so, and I hope so, and I, I, I ask God for it to be so. But that's not so, and that's not necessarily what David's writing about. 
Because who's David writing to? He's writing to his soul. You've healed my diseases, he's saying. The diseases of my soul. God can heal physically. He can certainly do that and has for many, many, many. Uh, But he's talking about a deeper issue here. He's talking about the diseases and the corruption of his very soul. David's saying, you've healed me on the inside. I want to bless you because you heal the the inner diseases of my anger, my hatred, my strife, my malice, my stubbornness, my bitterness, my rebellion, the feelings of revenge or harboring. I'm going to get you back. It's remembering that God's doing so many internal works within us. All throughout your life, have you stopped to think about the way he has healed you on the innermost part, that he's done some inward work, some inside jobs within your soul? For many of you, I know your story. You are not the same person that you were five years ago, and you're grateful that you're not. God's done some inside job work, some renovation of your soul to heal you from either past hurts that you can never get through or just anger issues or things that maybe none of us would even know about. But God knows. And he's been at work transforming and healing you and helping you overcome that. He is the one who is always healing our brokenness. Philippians 1, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will what? Will be faithful to complete it. God is always doing some inside work for us, healing our soul. The diseases that kind of maybe no one even knows about, that are corrupting and breaking your life. He's at work doing that. We are all still a work in progress, and the master is still crafting his masterpiece in you. He's healing you. He redeems your life from the pit. This reference is literally, the word means, to be in ruin, to be in destruction or corruption. He redeems your life from the corruption and from the pit. It's a reference to salvation. The moment you said yes to Jesus, that in that moment he redeemed you from the pit, that you are moving in separation away from God and in that moment he claimed you and he rescued you and redeemed you in that moment to help you realize that you are forever redeemed in him. It's a reference to that. For many of us who maybe walked with Jesus for a long time, this is why it matters that we're around people who are young in their faith because so often the longer we walk with Jesus, we forget how much of in a pit or how marred we were or how broken we were. But in those moments of being around people who are new in the faith, it revigorates us. It brings a vibrancy to our faith to realize God is still in the business of redeeming and rescuing people to bring them home into relationship with him. It's a great picture to keep putting before us. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry. He lifted me up from the clay. He set my feet upon the rock, and he has established my going. He put a new song in my mouth. And for most of us here, I bet that description describes your life and what Jesus did for you and how he came alongside you. And he wasn't just an improvement to your life. He gave you life and redeemed you. And you are at a different place than you were. And friend, that's a benefit that you didn't create. That's a benefit you were gifted and given. 
And David would say to you, as he's saying to me, don't forget. Write yourself a note if you need to, but hang on to this. Don't forget the benefits of God. He crowns you with love and compassion. I, we don't have like the royal family here in the United States type thing, but anyone ever watched the royal wedding like when they happen overseas? Maybe I'm a dork and I, I watch that sometimes and I go, man, this be kind of cool to be a part of that, right? Like you get, like you get knighted. I've never been knighted. I mean, not that I want to have a sword around my head or anything, but like it seems cool. Maybe you get to wear this crown. That's pretty awesome. You can go to Burger King and get that, but like it's different. Um, and so like there's something about this. And think about this imagery that he's writing about. He crowns you with love and compassion. You have had many, many things hanging over you, defining you, but now, friend, you are crowned with God's loving kindness and his compassion. That is identity changing. That's what a crown is. It, it, it says that person matters. They're different. You've been crowned with God's love and compassion. And, and for many of us, we forget that. Sometimes we feel like we got a claw for God's compassion. Like, God, please hear me. And we, we got to have these petitions and we forget the idea that we have been, we've been grafted in as his son and daughter. And we've been given royalty, not because we earned it, but because we're with him. And that's who he is. And so, of course, you're part of his royal life and part of the beauty of his church family, and a part of his eternal family as a son or a daughter. You've been given a crown to have, and that's how you navigate. That's your new baseline reality as an identity, as one who is with Jesus. Verse eight says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Aren't you glad that's there? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. When you read the word loving kindness in the Old Testament, it's the closest word we have to grace in the New Testament. It's this covenant kind of love. It means I'm all in even if you're not. So it's not a reciprocal thing. It's I've been given this loving kindness. God longs for that to be reciprocated because this is a relationship, not a religion. But even if you fail, his loving kindness still marks you. You've been crowned with that and with his compassion. Compassion is the most described emotion of Jesus when you read through the New Testament. It's being moved to be for, to be for someone more than yourself. That's what you've been crowned with. That's a benefit from God that you don't earn. You're just gifted. And you've been given that. And so don't forget that. It's this incredible opportunity. And he goes on in verse 13 of this chapter. He says, as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He himself knows our frame, and he is mindful that you are but dust. Whoa. How's that for a descriptor for yourself? Four-letter word. Dust. It's not very appealing, is it? It's not very lasting. God knows I'm just dust. He breathed life into me, life into you. You are very gifted and you're important, but you're not all that in a bag of chips. 
but you are because of who God says you are. You've been crowned with loving kindness and compassion. It's not much of a, a commentary here when we see the word dust, but you marvel at God's grace that God brought you into his family through faith because he values you. Isn't it awesome that God didn't bring you in on probation? That God didn't say, hey, I'm gonna let you into my family, but we're gonna do a test run for about six months, and then I'll circle back and check in with you, see how you're doing. We'll see if you get to stay. Anyone glad God didn't do that for you? Man, I'm really glad. Think about that, that you were never on probation. Hardly anyone gets hired into a company without being on some kind of probation period of figuring things out, but when you came into God's family, there was no period where you had to prove yourself. You were just crowned with loving kindness and compassion. You were granted sonship or daughtership into his family. He didn't place you on probation. When you and I come to know Jesus as our savior, we become a member of his family. We are instantly and permanently a member of his family. That is an amazing gift, a benefit of God. Lastly, he says this, who satisfies your desires with good things. He brings satisfaction into your life. NIV says, satisfies your desires with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. And New Living says, he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. He satisfies your spirit, the idea that it provides what's enjoyable and satisfying, that your youth is renewed. If you do any study on eagles, I actually had a crazy collection of eagle pictures when I was late high school. I don't know why, I just did. I felt I was probably like a 50-year-old guy at age 18. But like I, I had this, and when you begin to study and understand that eagles are one of the, the only animals that seem to get stronger the longer they're alive. In the Old Testament, when they talk about renewing your strength like that of the eagles, that's what they're speaking about. This renewable strength and the satisfaction and contentment in life that actually gets better the more you're going at it. It's an incredible reality. What is he saying? He's saying that the Lord God, who continues to make your inside enjoyable, satisfying, free, enthusiastic, the Lord keeps you excited and fresh and vibrant and real in all the things that you can begin to describe, that that's part of the blessing as one who lives a life with God, of living out faith with him. Uh, there was a pastor uh, in Scotland in the 1800s who loved this passage. A hundred years ago, here's how he described this passage in Psalm 103. In these verses, you have a court of law he pardons all your iniquities. You have a hospital. He heals your diseases of your soul. You have a slave market. He redeems your life from the pit and you become his. You have a throne room for he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. And you have a banquet hall for he satisfies your spirit with good things. God meets us in all aspects of life, and he brings a lot of blessings our way. But friends, may you see this psalm as a spiritual sticky note to enjoy the blessings. Make a list of them. Maybe that's part of the challenge this week. 
is what would it look like to read through Psalm 103 and just take a sticky note with you. We provided it for you. It's at every communion table. You can pick one up, stick it in your Bible. And this week, take some moments to say, God, I wanna remember the blessings that you give me. But I also wanna focus on the benefits that come with living an I'm with God kind of life through Jesus. That I wanna focus on understanding everything you have given me. And I wanna dwell on that and and be in wonder of that because I I don't wanna become ungrateful. I wanna cultivate a grateful heart within me. Bless the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. So Father, that's what we pray. We take a moment here in communion to remember the life and the death and the resurrection of your son Jesus, who is the sacrifice, who is the bridge, who prepares the way through faith in him that we get to have life with you, that we get to have life with you where we experience your forgiveness, your healing of our soul, the inside job work that all of us here have still have inside job works that you need to do, but we're confident that you began a good work and you'll be faithful to complete it. That you crown us with love and compassion. You satisfy our soul. For a lot of us, we were chasing a lot of different things in life that didn't bring satisfaction, fulfillment, until we met you. You changed us, and you begin to renew us. So Father, we ask that maybe this week would be a week where we work on cultivating our gratitude, uh, being intentional about praising you, blessing you, being caught up in the wonder of who you are and everything you've done for us. So would you give us time and energy to focus on the benefits that we have in living life with you, and the blessings you so richly poured into us. Would you cultivate a heart of gratitude? And may we hold fast to that, continually work at that, and never drift from that. In a culture that that pulls us away from that, may we have a heart like David. It's constantly looking back to you, grateful, caught up in wonder again. As we worship you, would you move our hearts? Maybe there's one thing tonight in these next few moments in this next worship song that you just wanna tell God, God, I'm so grateful that you did this for me. You gave me this blessing. You've given me this benefit. Have a conversation with him as we worship.